0: chapter twenty seven of from the Earth to the Moon this is a librivox recording all librivox recordings are in the public domain for more information or to volunteer please visit librivox.org recording by Leone Rose from the Earth to the Moon by Jules Verne CHAPTER Twenty Seven, FOUL WEATHER. At the moment when that pyramid of fire rose to a prodigious height into the air, the glare of flame lit up the whole of Florida, and for a moment day superseded night over a considerable extent of the country. This immense canopy of fire was perceived at a distance of one hundred miles out at sea, and more than one ship's captain entered in his log the appearance of this gigantic meteor. The discharge of the Columbiad was accompanied by a perfect earthquake. Florida was shaken to its very depths. The gases of the powder, expanded by heat, forced back the atmospheric strata with tremendous violence, and this artificial hurricane rushed like a waterspout through the air. Not a single spectator remained on his feet. Men, women, children, all lay prostrate like ears of corn under a tempest. There ensued a terrible tumult. A large number of persons were seriously injured. J. T. Maston, who, despite all dictates of prudence, had kept in advance of the mass, was pitched back one hundred twenty feet, shooting like a projectile over the heads of his fellow citizens. Three hundred thousand persons remained deaf for a time, and as though struck stupefied. As soon as the first effects were over, the injured, the deaf, and lastly, the crowd in general woke up with frenzied cries. "'Hurrah for Arden! Hurrah for Barbicane! Hurrah for Nickel!' rose to the skies. Thousands of persons, noses in air, armed with telescopes and race glasses, were questioning space, forgetting all contusions and emotions in the one idea of watching for the projectile. They looked in vain. It was no longer to be seen, and they were obliged to wait for telegrams from Long's Peak. The director of the Cambridge Observatory was at his post on the Rocky Mountains, and to him, as a skillful and persevering astronomer, all observations had been confided. But an unforeseen phenomenon came in to subject the public impatience to a severe trial. The weather, hitherto so fine, suddenly changed. The sky became heavy with clouds. It could not have been otherwise after the terrible derangement of the atmospheric strata and the dispersion of the enormous quantity of vapor arising from the combustion of two hundred thousand pounds of peroxile. On the morrow the horizon was covered with clouds a thick and impenetrable curtain between earth and sky which unhappily extended as far as the rocky mountains it was a fatality but since man had chosen so to disturb the atmosphere he was bound to accept the consequences of his experiment Supposing now that the experiment had succeeded, the travelers, having started on the 1st of December at 10 hours, 46 minutes, 40 seconds p.m., were due on the 4th at 0 hour p.m. at their destination, so that up to that time it would have been very difficult, after all, to have observed, under such conditions, a body so small as the shell. Therefore they waited with what patience they might." from the fourth to the sixth of december inclusive the weather remaining much the same in america the great european instruments of herschel rossi and foucault were constantly directed toward the moon for the weather was then magnificent but the comparative weakness of their glasses prevented any trustworthy observations being made on the seventh the sky seemed to lighten They were in hopes now, but their hope was of but short duration, and at night again thick clouds hid the starry vault from all eyes. Matters were now becoming serious, when on the ninth the sun reappeared for an instant, as if for the purpose of teasing the Americans. It was received with hisses, and wounded, no doubt, by such a reception, showed itself very sparing of its rays. On the tenth, no change. J. T. Maston went nearly mad, and great fears were entertained regarding the brain of this worthy individual, which had hitherto been so well preserved within his gutta-percha cranium. But on the eleventh, one of those inexplicable tempests peculiar to those intertropical regions was let loose in the atmosphere. A terrific east wind swept away the groups of clouds which had been so long gathering, and at night the semi-disc of the orb of night rolled majestically amid the soft constellations of the sky. End of chapter 27 Recording by Leone Rose